Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map, and that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find somewhere to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. Welcome back to another episode of Sandy Creek Stirrings and our mini-series, Pastor 101. Now, we've already covered a few subjects here on the podcast about pastoring. We d- we discussed in the first part of this little mini-series in episode number 233, Can a Woman Be a Pastor? Discussed why that question may be better put, May a Woman Pastor? Then episode number 234, we did Pastor 101, A Biblical Pastor, talked about the differences between elder, bishop, and pastor in the Bible. And then we discussed a wrinkle that the modern-day movement, really not so modern, but the modern-day movement has been using, saying that there's a difference between pastoring as a gift and pastoring as an office. And we discussed uh, several reasons why in the last episode, why that is simply not the case. Just because pastoring is a gift, that does not separate it from the office or the requirements, the qualifications for that office today. Now, I am excited about today because we're going to discuss something that I've been wanting to discuss for 234 episodes, but we haven't discussed it yet. And today we're going to discuss the qualifications for a pastor from the Bible. And today I'm actually joined by a guest who is going to help me through this and has done a lot more studying, actually, than I have on the study on the subject of qualifications of pastors. And so I thought, what better way than to have someone more knowledgeable than I? which is totally possible on any and every subject, uh, more knowledgeable than I, come in and talk about this particular subject of qualifications of pastors. So I'm joined across the table today from my pastor and my father, Pastor Patrick Jimenez. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, glad to be here. I've got one request. Oh, no. Can you get like one of those like applause tracks where like, you know, they applause, you know, when you mention my name? Would that be No, we're not going to do okay. that. <laughs> Just checking. No, we're not going to do that. And uh, <laughs> I'm anyway, glad to be here. Though. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> we're going to discuss the qualifications of pastors. This may or may not turn into a two-parter. And um, so if any of the church members are listening, you know why. And uh, but this may turn into another mini-series inside the mini—no, I'm just kidding. And uh, it may end up being a two-part episode because there are actually a lot of qualifications for the bishop. How many exactly? That's a good question. You know, I don't know if I've actually added them up. Uh, a bunch. <laughs> I said he had studied this out, but <laughs> no. And um, no, I was just thinking in my head, I was like, he probably doesn't know exactly how many. 
and because I don't see it written at the top of your notes, but there's a bunch of them. And so we're going to discuss them in depth today. Now, let me be very clear before we get in. 16. 16. There we are. If I added it up correctly. 16, if you added it up correctly. (laughs) And um, let me be very clear. If someone wants to hold the office of the pastor, okay, this is, I, I think you would agree with me, this isn't necessarily qualifications to be a Sunday school teacher. No. Or in, in not even necessarily qualifications for somebody who just preaches. These are qualifications for someone who is the pastor. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. Um, I would even go as for, further to say that anybody who... Um, stands in the place of a pastor, as in in that pulpit. Sure. You know, a missionary um, that goes and starts a church and holds the place of that pulpit while he's training a man to take over that work. And anyone who's representing that pulpit, I think, needs to meet those some qualifications there. Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree. And I don't have any issue with looking at necessarily an evangelist who doesn't hold the office of a pastor, but I don't necessarily have a problem with looking at evangelists if I was a pastor and looking at these qualifications before I have him in. Yeah. This may, may not necessarily apply to him, but I believe this is a great uh, litmus test before I put somebody behind my pulpit. And uh, so let's discuss these qualifications today. These are things that—these aren't recommendations. These are requirements. These are qualifications, meaning that if you don't fit the bill, if you don't meet these— you should not hold the office of a pastor. Can I put it this way? You're not a biblical pastor. Because how do, you're not we, how do we know that? Standards. How do we know these are qualifications that cannot be, they're irrevocable? You tell me. Well, the Bible's very clear. You know, we have two portions of Scripture that give us qualifications for a pastor, or as the other terms would be bishop, elder, you know, the different terms for a pastor. And um, they're found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and then Titus chapter 1. And what's interesting about this is, is you come down to chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, and it says a bishop then, and the next two words are what makes these irrevocable. They are must-haves, because the next two words are must-be. It's not should-be. It's not like God's giving a recommendation. It's not like God is saying, well, you know, you can meet a few of these. He says they must-be, and then he gives the list for us. Sure. And uh, so this is a must-be thing. And uh, like I said, it's not a recommendation. It's not a, well, let's let's check off like at least five off the list. No, God is the one that set this up. And the reason is, is because the pastor is standing in the place of Christ. Remember, Christ right. is the head of the church, but Christ is at the right hand of the Father. So in his place, he picks an under-shepherd, a pastor, uh, to watch over that flock. And uh, he's standing in the place that um, that Jesus holds and representing Christ, and that's why there's such a high standard there. Sure, and people forget that uh, they forget whose place they're standing in. So what we find is that one day Jesus is coming back for His church, and so for me, I get to watch over this flock. Um, for Christ, feed the flock, take care of the flock, protect the flock from the wolves, and I answer directly to Jesus. I don't answer to the church. They're the flock. I answer to Christ. And so I represent him. But one day he's coming back for his church, and I'm going to be out of a job. Yeah, (laughs) He's going to take it back, and then I'm going to have to answer to him, and I have to give an account as the pastor for every soul that's a part of this flock. And that's very, very sober. That's a big, big position. And... um big shoes that no human can truly fill. 
uh, the shoes of Christ. Exactly. Uh, but he did put pastors in this place. And so let's dive right in, and let's uh, we'll get past everything else. I won't talk to you about emailing me at joshua at sandycreeksterings.com or going to our website, sandycreeksterings.com, or leaving reviews or anything of that sort. We'll just jump directly <laughs> into the qualifications. So let's hit it. Let's go ahead and right into it. Okay, so we jump into some qualifications for the pastor. And uh, we're going to be in First Timothy chapter number 3. He said, this is a true saying. And so Timothy's right writing to, uh, excuse me, Paul's writing to Timothy and a young preacher who will eventually pastor and giving him these qualifications. And what Paul is telling Timothy, he says, it's a true saying. He said, look, this is not something that's just, you know, an opinion. It's not just an advice. It's, it's a true statement. It's a doctrinal thing. Okay, so this is a doctrinal issue when you talk about qualifications of a pastor. This is not just, well, you know, uh, a bunch of people getting together and saying, well, here's what we want. It's what God dictates. So it's yeah. a true saying. And he starts off by saying, if a man desire uh, the office of a bishop. Now, uh, you discussed in an earlier podcast, you know, bishop, elder, pastor, sure. uh, and, and those are all referring to that position. Right. If you missed that, go back and listen to our last episode, episode number 234. Okay. And so if a, if a man, now notice if a man, okay, we start off there. Now we'll get to that further, you know, about uh, this is a position held by a man. But if a man desire the office of a bishop, uh, desires that position of a pastor, uh, there needs to be a desire there. Um, and uh, it's a calling, but God places that desire in a man's heart. And uh, if a man desire the office of bishop, he desireth a good work. Now notice it's not a hobby. Yeah. It's not a pastime. Right. It's a work. This is a life investment. This is sure. this is where everything goes right here, and you put everything into it. So it's a work. It's a labor, and it's a labor of love because you desire it. Now, just because a man has a desire to be a pastor, does not mean he's qualified. Right. Okay. It needs to begin with a desire, um, and that's what God did in my heart. And I'll be honest with you. At first, it didn't start as a desire because I told God no when God began to call me to preach and began to began to call me to pastor and have me surrender to that will, to his will. Um, I told him, no, I didn't want the responsibility. I didn't want the work, the labor. Right. I didn't want to have to stand and give an account to all those people, you know, and for those people. And so a uh, very, very grave thing. And um, I didn't want all that. Uh, but God finally got a hold of me. And you know what? It's a, it's a desire. I love to do it. Sure. And um, but just because a man has a desire does not mean that he's actually qualified. So it begins with desire, and then God puts on there these requirements that are must bees. If a bishop, then must be, and he gives this list, and he starts with the first thing in verse number two. A bishop then must be, and he begins with the word blameless. Now, blameless there means innocent of wrongdoing, without fault not meriting censure. That means there's there's nothing you have to cover up with him. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that you have to hide under the rug when it comes with him. Nothing that you have to say, well, you know, there's this glaring thing right there that, I mean, the world can hang on to. Sure. And, you know, and and lose his testimony. And uh, so he must be blameless. Um, I've heard it put this way, and I've said it this way. Um, if someone throws mud, it doesn't stick. Yeah. You know, so he has to be blameless because I'll tell you now, when you take the role of a pastor, the world is gunning for you. The world is wanting to find anything and everything they can. 
you they find a social media post uh, and, and, and they'll hang on to that thing. They'll look sure. at your past. They'll look at your, you know, you get a, a somebody in the neighborhood that says, wow, that guy, you know, he loses his temper, whatever. You know, they're going to latch on to anything. So um, he needs to be blameless. He needs to be a guy that there's nothing to cover up, nothing to hide, nothing to be embarrassed about. And that, that does not mean he has a perfect past. Right. Don't be wrong. Yeah. You know, we're all sinners. But there is a difference when it comes to a man who has blame in his life and continues to have blame. Right. And so I hope that makes sense in that way. Um, to me, that one's kind of a, an easy one. Oh, I think it absolutely there. makes sense. Um, you just lost your train of thought. No, I, I have a train of thought, and I'm trying to figure out if I should say it on a podcast. Um, and I think it's completely fine. I put it this way, practical example. You had a missionary contact you. And you were looking at some things on their social media, and it became very clear this is not somebody we want to partner with based on their social media and what they had liked and some pages and things they had looked at. Oh, absolutely. And you had contacted them and said, hey, here's some issues. They responded very well, and they got rid of half of it, but there was still half there. Well, well for, the, for the sake of the, the people listening, I'll just tell you what, I mean, obviously they don't know who we're talking about. Right. We're not going to you know, divulge that, but there was a missionary that contacted us that wanted to set up an appointment to come through and show their work. And I do a lot of research on missionaries. I want to sure. know, are they really who they are? Do they really have standards? Do they really hold to the truths of, you know, right doctrine? And are they separated from the world? And uh, this particular missionary had on their Facebook page, um, and now any missionaries listening right now are going to their Facebook and checking, yeah. right? Make sure we delete everything. <laughs> and um, I go and I, I look through their photos. I yeah. want to see who they are in real life. You know, it's one thing to send an information packet where it's all pretty and everything's cleaned up. I want send to see the what highlight reel. Ex- the yeah. highlight reel, yes. We want to see the backstage footage. <laughs> I want to see the back. That's a good way to put it. So I look at their photos. I want to see what are they involved in. You know, when when they're in a family setting, you know, or they're out with their friends, are they at a bar? You yeah. know, what are they doing? Right. Um, and this, and, and then I look about their about section, their profile, and there is a section in Facebook where it shows the movies that you like and the uh, different places that you support. And uh, this particular missionary supported, uh, and now I forget the actual name of it, but it was a um, like alternate alternative Disney or something like that, or something to that that form. And basically, what it was was an adult Disney. And it was like, what in the world is this? And it was basically immodestly dressed cartoon characters. Yeah. And and it was adult material. And I'm thinking, how in the world can a missionary like this? And you don't just like these things, you know, uh, and and put them on your page that you're following by accident. And I can understand if it was just one thing, but it was like a bunch of things. Multiple things. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is not One thing might think, you might think it's an accident if it's one thing. Yeah. But multiple things all following the same thing. Exactly. It's not an accident. And then there was a list of movies, and the movies that they followed and purposely liked were some of the most ungodly movies there are with full of cursing. I took one of the movies alone, and now listen, I didn't get saved till I was 18. So as a young kid, you know, growing up, I, I recognized this movie and I knew what was in it. Plus, I, I go to IMDb, and you can type yeah. in the... Uh, the the name of the movie under the uh, IMDb, and it'll tell you everything in that movie, every curse word, everything. And I looked at the thing, there's like 27 uses of like, you know, I hate to put on your podcast, but like the the word that begins with F yeah. <laughs> and all those things, and then the nudity. And, um, right. and that was just one curse word. There, I could tell you all the others, you know, but 
So I contacted the mission. I said, hey, how could you support, uh, you know, those movies like this? And um, it has that amount of usage of the, the curse words. And, you know, his response back was, you know, you're, you're right. He said, I'm so sorry. He said, it's a bad testimony. He said, I, I like those before I got saved. And he said, I, I really need to remove those. And so, you know, his response was right. And, uh, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking sure. for the right response. I'm looking for, Hey, you know, the attitude, I'm looking for the spirit of it. And so, and I can understand you, you like some things before you got saved, you got saved and there are some baggage you need to, you to work, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, you don't want that testimony. So he said, well, I took care of that. I got rid of those movies. Well, I went back and He'd only taken off like half of the movies, and then I contacted him back again, and then he never answered me, and I realized, okay, you yeah. know, he's still in this lifestyle. Right, right. So I don't know why we digress so, there. But. No, th- uh, well, I'll tell you the reason why I digress. So this list doesn't apply to necessarily missionaries we were talking before. This is for the pastor or people who hold that position behind the, or who are filling the shoes of the pastor for a certain time, per se. Um so I'm not saying that this list has to apply to that missionary who contacted us, but I do think it's a good idea of the word blameless. Here's the reason why. A pastor may have something in his past like this missionary had, yeah. and he has to clean up some things. That's not something we're going to look and say, well, you can't be a pastor because you've drank a beer before. That's not necessarily what that means. That's not what blameless is talking about. I think the perfect idea of what blameless is talking about is that example he had some things that he cleaned up, but he wasn't willing to clean up all the way. And I think if you have a candidate for a pastor who he has some baggage from the past, but he's not willing to get it completely clean, he's not blameless. No, that's good. And that's so good. I think that's a yeah. good idea behind that idea of blameless. Um, yeah, I, so there's that. And I give this recommendation for any church looking for a pastor. Don't just, you know, guy comes in and he's all clean and you're looking at the highlight reel. Right. He might bring his best, you know, uh, message he's ever preached. And, sure. preach, and you're like, wow, this guy can preach. Let him preach for like six weeks and see yeah. what he gets after he uses all of his, you know, right. his honey messages. And then go back to social media and see what he is, you know, see what he really is. Sure. And is sure. he blameless? Is there anything that's being covered up? Right. And that's, no, that's good. Yeah. All right. Go to the next one. Okay. Oh, this is the one where it's like, you know, brings the most controversy. The husband of one wife. Now, remember, this is not a recommendation. Yeah. This is a must be. So he must be the husband of one wife. Now, the definition of husband, right? The world has changed that thing. Like, you know, a woman could be a husband now, and that is not true. The husband is a a male. It's a man, a biological man. You got to define that these days now. Right. But it is a betrothed man. So one who is married opposed to a single. Now you say, well, this is just kind of like rudimentary. Yeah, absolutely. If we don't get down to the basic of defining words, you know. People like to, out of all the qualifications, people leave the rest of them alone, but they want to twist this one as much as possible because this one may be the most defining of them all. And maybe that's inaccurate because all of these are just as important, but this is the one that gets attacked because everybody wants a little loophole here because this rules out, I would easily say, 75% of men who would like to. You've got divorced men, single men. Um, who can't fill this role because of this qualification. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, nobody has a problem by saying, well, he shouldn't be a striker. You know, right. I mean, if he goes around getting in fights all the time, beating people up at Walmart, you know, he's not, shouldn't be a pastor. Nobody argues that one, right? Right. But if you want to argue this one, well, it's very plain and simple, you know, a husband. But yet you've got people who want to define. And they say one wife. And, you know, one um, wife, people say, well, they want to argue the point, one wife at a time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, okay, 
if we want to play on words, well, then you don't really want to accept doctrine. You don't sure. want to accept the truth. And truth is one wife. And, you know, you get people who want to say one wife. And I get what they're saying. Um, I have friends who are pastors that are divorced. And I will come to the scripture and say, you know, that's not right. You ought to step away. And they'll say, well, it's one wife at a time. And it's like people want to twist things to justify their situation. Yeah. And... um we can't do that. And so one wife, and what's interesting here is the word husband really means house band. That's where it comes from. And house band is the, the man, the leader of the home that connects and keeps together the whole family. That's the yeah. responsibility of the husband as the leader of the home. That's he's good. the house band. He holds it all together. He's the protector, the provider. Uh, he's the everything there leading that family to Christ. And so um, he's the house band. And he must be, and also it's a must be, husband. He must be married. Um, yeah. You know, I hear the, I hear, I've heard stories, you know, of these preachers. And some of them are, 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 are great preachers. And they came out of Bible college and God called them to pastor and they went straight into pastorate, you know, as an 18 year old young man, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. And they pastored and they were single. Well, they were staying in the pulpit preaching. I don't think a man has to be um, uh, married to preach. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, then Paul wouldn't have been qualified. <laughs> yeah. But I'll say this um, to pastor, he needs to be right. married. Right. And that now, is a must be. Going back to the. We talked about it in episode 233, Can a Woman Pastor? And we discussed um, it might be better to ask, may a woman pastor? And I think that same way may apply here. Can a single man pastor? Well, sure he can. He has, he the, has ability. the ability to. But may he know, not according to Scripture, he's not allowed to pastor because he doesn't meet the qualifications. So just because you can point out an example and say, well, this single guy did well over here, well, he may have. Because he has God-given ability, but that doesn't mean that he's allowed to. And I firmly believe God can't bless in the same way he can exactly. if that person had his blessing to be able to fulfill that role. Imagine, here's what you need to think about. Imagine what that young man may have been able to do if God could place his full hand of blessing upon that young man as he oh, pastored. Absolutely. I think you would have twofold the amount of yeah. work done that he was able to do when he was not qualified to. Exactly. And, you know, and, and God blesses as a result of his word. Sure. And not necessarily because of that man. You know, man doesn't take credit. You know, it's God that does the work. And so I've seen where a lost person has preached the gospel or shared the gospel and somebody got saved. You right. say, well, look at that. A lost person can be a pastor, can preach. Well, no, God's honoring his word, which he always does. You know, his, right. his word will not return void. And so, you know, I've seen some divorced men who have pastored a church and you say, well, look, some folks have gotten saved, you know, and there's been some families that have been helped. Well, yeah, the ability is there. God's going to honor his word. But as you said, imagine if he got God's full permission. Sure. You know, and that's the, the, the difference there. So right. husband of one wife, and it's a must be, must be married. And this he has to be a man. And um I think you covered, you know, that portion of a woman. Is she is can she be a pastor? I think you dealt with yeah. that in your podcast. Episode two thirty three, can a woman be a pastor? And so, you know, I'm not gonna rehash that portion there, but we get down to one wife. And um and so that comes into he cannot be divorced. Now, that's where boy, people be like, oh, what do you mean? You know, you're just being mean. You're just being, no, I'm not being mean. It's just, it's scripture. Sure. And one wife. And that word one is um, actually the Greek word mia, and it means first. It was just an interesting thought. 
Hmm. And so the one, the first, there's that one wife, that first wife that you say, well, what if a guy's on his second wife and his first one passed away? Well, he's been turned loose from that first. And now this, this wife he has now, he's, he's uh, uh, able to take this wife and it's, it's his one, it's his first. And so um, it's a neat little, little uh, interesting fact about that word one. And um, that word wife literally means a betrothed woman there. And so we find that um, another reason that uh, this is not a divorced man is because you get down to the other qualification, he needs to be one that ruleth well his own house. Right. And so you look at a man who um, is divorced. Well, there's was there was a breakdown of the marriage. There was a yeah. breakdown of that home. And I'm not trying to be harsh. And a lot of people say you're just harsh. You're being mean. You know, there's no forgiveness in your heart. That is so far from the truth. Anybody yeah. that knows me and the way I pastor and the way I tell I tell you know divorce folks, uh, even in our church, I say, look, God wants to use you. And I said He'll use you. You just not in the permissible way of pastoring. Sure. And um and so I tell, you know, divorce, you know, folks, you know, God'll God'll use you. There's just two positions within the church that God set up qualifications that you can't be divorced, and that's going to be deacons and that's going to be pastors. Yeah. And so, but you can handle other positions and be a great help and a blessing. God's going to use you. Move forward with what you can, you sure. know, and what you're able to do and have permission to do. Yeah. And so I hope that makes sense. And like I said, we can, you know, dive a whole lot deeper into this, but, um, you know, we'll just move on to the next one. So basically you're saying, or Scripture is saying rather, that husband of one wife, so you're saying he has to be married. That's a qualification. I mean, it must be a husband. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> and so he has to be married, and then he cannot be divorced. Cannot be divorced. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. One wife. And some people say, well, one wife at a time. It's not what it's talking I've about. Heard, I've heard um, the, the new thing that I've been hearing a lot more is that it's mistranslated. It should say a one-woman type of man. <laughs> that's if you looked at the actual definition of all these words, that is the furthest thing from what this actually means. Yes, it means the husband of one wife. That is for things that are difficult to understand in scripture, that is not one of them. That's about as plain English, even modern day English. It's not like yeah. even old English in that statement. That is plain modern-day English, the husband of one wife. And mark it down. Anybody that says this is mistranslated, it's better said those people doubt the infallibility of God's Word. Okay, They don't believe in a true Word of God that is preserved, protected, and perfect. And um, so so whenever you find a... A uh, what what do they call these people that, that do the commentaries? Um, Commentators. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that simple, right? Commentators that say something like that. Well, this here is better translated. You know, they've ju- just made themselves higher than God. Now they feel like they can correct and they know better. And truth is, is we have a perfect word of God. It's preserved perfectly just for us. And I think you even have an episode on the on the Bible and its 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 uh, perfectness and its uh, infallibility. Right. Yeah. And um. I was giving you a plug for your, you know, what episode that was, but you'd have to <laughs> That's research That's going it. <laughs> way back, way back, um, I think down to the 30s or the 20s. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking it's like episode number 27, and it's not. So um, it's going back to like episode number 17, 
20 and 23. It was a okay. three-part wow, series. Okay, wow, three-part, okay. Yeah. But but uh, that's a whole different thing there, but you can go back and listen to there about you know the, the, sure. the perfection of God's Word. And um, God doesn't need you to try to translate it and tell him he's wrong. You know, and and husband of one wife. So uh, we'll leave that there, and um, and then now you can get a flood of emails about all the people who don't believe that, um, and you can um, contact Josh at. <laughs> 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 all righty, um, and, and and let me just put this out there again, just so folks understand. This is not a a, a hate thing, okay. This is not a oh you 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 hate divorced people. That's so far from the truth, and. I can take you to our folks at our church. We've got a mix of people from all walks and backgrounds. And we've got and and everyone will know that as a pastor, I'm willing to die for them. Right. And I'm willing to fight for them. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help them to succeed to be everything that God wants them to be. But we just got to get back to God's word and understand that, you know, there's certain things in our life that when we do it, we disqualify ourselves. And so for instance, you take someone who has um, you know, committed uh, fraud and uh, misappropriation of funds, and they've shown that they cannot handle money, well, that is not the person you put to be the treasurer. Right. Right? You've kind of disqualified yourself from being a leader and handler of money. Sure. And you say, well, doesn't God forgive? Yes. But they're shown to be a besetting sin there. Yeah. You know, so um, you, you have to be careful with that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like Saul. The, the, you'll find within Scripture that the kingdom was rent from him, and what does he do? He goes to God and asks for forgiveness, and God forgives him. God doesn't give him the kingdom back, though he disqualified himself from being king. Oh, that's really good. And yeah. um, he would go on to do further things, but God God takes this into consideration, and he says, look, I forgive you, but you've yeah. disqualified yourself. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I take it even a step further, you know, and um, you take someone who has... Uh, uh, done something in their past um, in a in a uh, sexual abuse or something like that. Well, that person could be forgiven. They can, you know, let's say they get saved, they're sure. forgiven, yeah. and uh, they can move forward and do something for God. But we're not going to put them in a children's ministry. No. And people would say, "Oh, you know, you don't want those people working with children." And I, and I get it. No. Well, can they not be forgiven? But in wisdom, we yeah. understand. They've disqualified themselves. You know, somebody hurts a child in that way, they're not going to be used in a children's ministry. And they shouldn't be. No. To be clear. So yeah. the same thing goes for uh, men who have been divorced. You have to understand it's the same kind of thing. You're forgiven. God will use you. There's so many ministries, so many ways you can be used of God, but not in that position of deacon and pastor. So let's move on to the next sure. one. Yep. Okay. So we get to the next one. Must be. Again, these are not recommendations. These are uh, uh, must-be qualifications, and it says the next one is vigilant. Now, that word vigilant, obviously, um, you know, we're very familiar with that word, watchful, attentive. And uh, what's interesting is it's watchful and attentive to discover and avoid danger, to provide for safety. So what is a pastor? What does that mean? You know, as a pastor, one of the things that I have to be aware of is is I'm watching over a flock of sheep. Right. This is God's fold. This is His flock, and um, this uh, belongs to Jesus. And I'm in this place where God commands me as a pastor. That word pastor is a shepherd, and uh, and uh, my responsibility is to watch for the wolves. 
Watch for the lions. Watch for the doctrines of devils that try to creep in. And I'm watching for the safety of the church. I'm watching for the welfare of the church, uh, the, the, the believers, the Christians. And uh, so I'm to keep an eye out. And so I must be a watchful person. I have to be able to recognize um, the wolves. I have to be able to recognize, and that takes spiritual maturity, by the way. Sure. Um, I have to be able to recognize when the sheep are hurting and watch for their welfare. I have to watch what is you know going on that is 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 uh, hurting them or when they're weak and so I can lift them up uh, so I can help heal their wounds. So, you know, that's, that takes a lot of a lot of watching. Sure. Some guys want a pastor and they're you're not really a pastor just cuz you can preach. Yeah. Okay? That's not pastor. That's not pastoring. Pastoring is being vigilant. It means you know how to protect the sheep. You know how to watch for the wolves. You know how to do all those things cuz you are aware, you have the capability and the faculties to be able to see and watch over the flock the way it should right. be. You know, that's why it bothers a pastor when a sheep doesn't show up for service. Because when a sheep doesn't show up to eat, they're sick. Something's wrong. Yeah. And they're they're hurt. They're sick. Something's wrong. You know, uh, we had a lady in our church, and I think we mentioned this on a podcast a while, you know, many podcasts ago, but I think we talked about this situation where we had a lady um, who was faithful to church and never missed. Their Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, never missed. And uh, there was a Sunday school where she didn't show up. And as a pastor, I was vigilant because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking for the sheep. Finding, okay, okay, this one didn't show up this morning to eat. They're not here for the fellowship. What happened? Something's wrong. And so I sent one of our men. I said, hey, I need you to go check on Mrs. So-and-so, and, -so, and uh, something's wrong. And so he went, and, um, you know, she had given us a key. Right. And um, She was an elderly lady within the church. Yeah. And so she'd give us in a key to be able to check on her and to help take care of her and stuff like that. So, um, so he went over, and she was dead in her lazy boy chair. Yeah. Um, with her dogs on her lap, and um, she'd have never been found. No, she wasn't close to her no family. family there was, yeah. yeah, so she'd have been there for who knows how long if it wasn't for a church. Let me just say, and it's not this is not a lifting up of of myself, but in the sense I was able to see, I was vigilant. You're vigilant. Yeah. I was aware, and um, you know, if if a guy is standing in a pulpit and he's preaching, that's all he does. He's not a pastor, right? Right. You're exactly right. And that's why Peter writing to the elders in first Timothy or first Peter five would go on in verse eight, which is a message to the elders. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Absolutely. So that's repeated throughout scripture, not just in these two passages of Titus one and First Timothy three, but definitely something we see throughout scripture and as a responsibility of the pastor. Absolutely. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Again, these are the must be's and the next one is sober. Now, we're not talking about not drunk. Okay? Though that's a good thing, too, though. But <laughs> That's a good thing, but that's not what sober means here. Right. And it comes from—and the reason we say sober, it's because when you're sober and not full of alcohol, you're able to use your brain. Right. And uh, alcohol um, skews your judgment. Sure. And um, But that's not what it's talking about here, but that's where the word comes from. So sober here literally means safe in mind, self-controlled in opinion and passions. Now, let me say that again. To be self-controlled— in opinions and passions, having the regular exercise of cool, dispassionate reason, which means he cannot be full of his own views, his own opinions. He must be grounded in God's Word. You know, it's so dangerous when you got a guy that stands behind a pulpit and he wants to give his view. 
well, it is better translated, you know, yeah. or, well, let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you, you know, and, and you go to him for counsel, you go to him for answers, and he wants to give his opinion. I'm sorry, that's that's not biblical. He's disqualified if he's so full of his own opinions and his own views, and that's the way he wants to pastor. I'm sorry, but the the, the pastor is, one of the qualifications is, he's got to put his opinions, his views aside, and he's got to stick to God's Word. Right. And there are some times where a pastor in a pulpit is hesitant to preach on a certain subject, because he knows that maybe there's some people that are struggling with this thing, and if he preaches that, they'll get offended, and he'll hold back, even though God says, preach the full, you know, uh, uh, Word of God. Right. And sometimes he'll step back and he'll say, well, man, they might get offended. He can't do that. He is responsible for preaching the entirety of God's Word. Sure. And uh, if somebody gets offended, they're just showing their love yeah. of God, because, you know, great peace have they that love thy word, nothing shall nothing offend them. Shall offend them. Yeah. And so um, that's what that means, sober. He's got to be a man who's grounded in the word of God. He's not going to run to his opinions. He's not going to run to his views. And he's not going to say, well, I think and I believe. And, you know, he's got to be on thus saith, you know, the Lord. Um, and he's got to have a good control over his flesh and mind. Sure. Um and so that's where that word sober comes from, because when you do things like drugs and alcohol, you have no control of your flesh and mind. You're exactly They're right. They're distorted. And so it also means to be discreet. And uh, discreet means to be reserved and discerning. Uh, you can't jump to conclusions as a pastor. You've right. got to hear the full story. You have to know the entire thing. The worst thing a pastor can do is jump to conclusions. Sure. And um, so he's got to be sober, have his, his mind uh, grounded in the Word of God. Yeah. Let's exactly go to the next right. one. Uh, of good behavior is the next one. Now, of good behavior literally means orderly and of good decorum. Uh, decorum literally means how we present ourselves. Uh, and he must be of good behavior. That deals with his manners, his character, his morals. Um, how does he behave? I mean, is he a slob? You know, is he rude? You know, is he one of those guys that goes into a store and and he's being rude to the person, the cash register, you know, person, uh, you know, or he's on an airplane and he doesn't get his way and he's just rude or he pushes people out of the way. It's always a me first type of thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's all the realm of behavior. Right. And so his general manners and etiquette apply to that. Absolutely. I mean, if you got a guy who at the church potluck is like burping at the table and laughing, <laughs> you know, that's not the guy you're going to follow because that's just no. childish. He's not good behavior. Exactly. And, you know, so how's his, you know, I mean, does he cuss? You know, how's his behavior? Is he mistreat his wife? Is he the guy that, you know, is always making his wife do all the work? Yeah. You know, how's his behavior? How's he treat people? And so that's so important. It's also, what's interesting is, um, that term of good behavior is the same Greek word that you find used for modest in 1 Timothy 2.9. In like manner, also, the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. The word modest is of good behavior that represents purity, represents modesty. And so he should be a modest man. Sure. And um, so uh, of good behavior. So when you look at a pastor, really, you should look at his life. Yeah. Nothing's out of... Out of touch. You know, people complain and say, well, you know, a pastor lives in a glass house. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> he yeah. really does. Uh, and and that's not a bad thing. You know, his his life should be out there because people want to know, who are we following? Is he real? Sure. Is he real? You're exactly right. And, you know, this is a—for churches that are looking for a pastor, this is where they need to start. 
you know, all the questions about, well, what would you do about our Bible college, and where would you send kids to Bible college, and what do you think of the world? You know what? All that stuff is good questions. They come after this list. You need a first check. Husband of one wife. Blameless. Vigilant. Is he of good behavior? This is that first list you go to when looking for a pastor. You say, does he fit these needs? And this is a primary place, and good behavior is a good place to start. You want a pastor who behaves well. Most people don't want a pastor. A lot of people want someone who can preach and make them laugh. A they want an entertainer. They want an entertainer. They, they want, want somebody they can get a feel good, you know, message from. But they don't. A lot of people don't want a pastor. They don't want somebody who's going to check up on them, you know, yeah. and truly love them. They don't want a a person who is going to uh, watch over them, be vigilant, and when they're missed, that they check up on them. People are like, I don't want to be checked up. I just want to be gone because it makes me feel, you know, I got oh, yeah. better to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, no if that's what you there. want, if that's what you want, local non-denominational church is always accepting new people. And yeah. uh, <laughs> it is so true, you know. <laughs> but it's not, it's not church. And but that's yeah. a different episode. And uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, next next qualification. All righty. Uh, well, let me just go back one step. Yeah. Uh, we've got a member in our church that came from a one of these huge, you know. Non-denominational, mega rock and roll, turn off the lights, you need a flashlight to find your seat, you know, there's no And standards. that's not a joke, like, that's serious. No, that's, that's what he <laughs> says, you know. Yeah. And uh, he came, and um, I remember the first time I texted him yeah. and said, hey, you know, brother, man, glad, you know, if I, I'm, you know, I'm here to help you if you need anything. And he, he texted me back, and he's like, I've never had a pastor even check on me. Yeah. He said, I've never had a pastor text me. He said, I've never had a pastor call me. He said, I've never had a pastor visit me. He said, that pastor at the non-nomination, he said, he said, it was always just a feel-good message. He said, I didn't learn anything. He said, in fact, I never even had to bring my Bible to church. He said, because we didn't need one. Yeah. And then he said this. He's, he said, you know, he said, um, I, I've, I've never had a pastor who, who cared. Right. And he said the, and then he told me this, and it even shocked me. He said, "Yeah." He said, "We'd stand outside on the front of the church, and the pastor would tell dirty jokes and curse, and we'd all laugh." I'm thinking, "Wow, not good you know, behavior." We had the uh, this this list here of good behavior, not qualified, <laughs> not qualified. Yeah. Anyway. You know, something you said, you said people don't want a pastor, and I think that's true in many regards because many people don't want a pastor, but if they had a good pastor. They, they would understand what a treasure he is and how much it helps them and aids them. Yeah. The reason a lot of people don't want a pastor is because they've had a pastor who didn't meet the qualifications of this list, and it wasn't a good thing. Didn't because a pastor who doesn't meet these qualifications, here's the deal. You want a pastor that meets every single one of these qualifications, because if he doesn't, that's an area that's going to stick out like a sore thumb. And it's going to end up being something that's going to separate you from completely and wholeheartedly supporting and following your pastor. Many people have never had that. So in an essence, yeah, they don't want a pastor. But if they had one that met every qualification, they would be amazed at what a pastor like that yeah. is. And if you remember, Christ meets all these. Right, right. And if you, if you, if you love Christ and you, you, you appreciate who he is and, and, and all these things, you'd appreciate that pastor as sure. well. And so, no, good, very good point, very good point. Okay, next is uh, given to hospitality. 
And uh, this is uh, phalazinos is that Greek word. Now, listen, you don't have to know Greek to understand these things, but um, it's neat when you think of phalazinos, phalo, uh, it's brotherly, and um, it's fond of guests is really what it means, fond mm. of guests. And given hospitality, in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the definition uh, states of given hospitality Kind to strangers and guests, disposed to treat guests with generous kindness. Um, we're told in Hebrews 13 too, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. First Peter 4 9 tells us, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Romans 12 13 says the Christian, in reference to the Christian, we should be given to hospitality. What's interesting is this is not just a qualification for a pastor. This is sure. a qualification for every Christian. And what God is saying is, now, not every Christian has hospitality. Yeah, no. But out of those that have hospitality, that's where you draw a pastor from. Right. He needs right. to be hospitable. Yep. And that is a missing art form today. It really we've, is. We've lost hospitality in America. No longer are we in the days where people's homes were open. Yeah. No longer are we in the days of having, you know, a baked goodie ready to go and lemonade where somebody showed up and you're like, hey, you want a glass of lemonade? Sure. You know, you, you show up to people's homes and they're like, what are you doing here? You know, and right. and uh, we've lost that. There's no more family dinners. There's yeah. no more inviting neighbors to eat. I mean, when people, hey, you want to have dinner? Let's go out. There's yeah. no more inviting people into your home. And we've lost the art of hospitality yeah. in, in, in our culture. And part of the reason we've lost hospitality is because on the flip side of that, we've lost the art form of caring to where if we don't go and visit people, we're not like, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so a while. I'm going to stop by and see them. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. And the reason why is, is because we're selfish or we're lazy. We don't honestly care yeah. about them or we feel like I don't have the time. time Making visits, yeah. writing cards, doing all those things is a lost art form. Yeah. It has led to us being unhospitable people. So with that, a pastor needs to be hospitable. You say, what does that mean? It means he needs to be able to invite people into his home, entertain guests. And and that's vitally important. Um, you know, I have uh, gone to people's homes as a pastor. I visit people. Sure. And I couldn't tell you the amount of people that would say, wow, you're the first pastor that's ever been to my home, that's yeah. ever knocked on my door to see me. Or knew my name. You know, one of the things that somebody said the other day, and I'm horrible at remembering names. Mm. I am horrible. So when a person comes into church, a visitor, the first thing I do is I, I learn their name, and I go straight to the pulpit, and I write their name down. Right. And then when I acknowledge and say, hey, you know, I'm so thankful that, you know, Mr. John over here, you know, is visiting with us today from, you know, Michigan, people are like, wow, you know, he remembered their name. And truth is, is... I have to, on purpose, make it so I can remember their name, because I'm horrible at it. But it just proves that, yes, you can do it. Right. And um, I have several people that have commented, you know, one of the things we love is, is you know people. Yeah. And, yeah. well, that's a pastor's responsibility. That's actually every Christian's responsibility right. is to be hospitable. And so I get into people's homes, but also I open my home. Yeah. Now I know pastors who have told the church, "My home is off limits. Right. That's Don't my castle. My, Don't uh, come to my house. You know, give me my space." I'm sorry, that is not a biblical pastor. Yeah. Now I understand that there needs to be some time where you break away. Yeah, there has to be that. There has to be, and you know, um, and so that's one of the things that you know is a teaching thing. You teach, you know, that like on my day off, 
I have a day, I take Mondays off. And one of the things that I, I you know, and I think we've told the church this, that, you know, on my day off, um, if you'll respect that, let me just have some of my family time. And, um, you know, that's not trying to be rude. Now, if you have an emergency and you, you know, you're on the way to the hospital, I don't care if it's my day off or not. I'm coming to see you. I'm going to, you know, I'm there right. for you. But this isn't the day you're going to stop by and have a exactly. cup of coffee on the pastor's porch, you know. And There's so, better times for exactly. that. Because I need time for my wife and kids. Sure. And, um, but yeah. so, but what we do is our home is open, you know, at all other times and people drop by. And, yeah. you know, I have to be careful, you know, how I'm dressed, you know, that I'm not just, you know, <laughs> walking around in, in my pajamas or whatever. And, you know, people show up and I'll be honest with you, there have been some times where I've had some folks show up and, you know, and I'm like, hey, I later in the I'll, evening. Yeah. A second. yeah. And, and, and I love it. And I am always having people in our home. We sure. all we are having we have so many dinners and meals in our home. We do fellowships in our home. We've got a ladies Christmas party coming up. Where's it at? In the preacher's home. Right. And um people enjoy that because it allows them to see who we are at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing to know your preacher in the pulpit. It's another thing to know what he's like on his day off. Sure. It's it's what it's he like at other times. And people come in and they see the dynamic of our family. They sit down to eat with us. And they see the interaction between us and our children. They see how a family functions, you know, biblically. And and I can tell you what it means to people that they've been in the, in the preacher's home. I have so many people say, I've never been in a pastor's home. That's sad. Yeah. That's sad that pastors don't open themselves up and say, hey, let's have dinner. Let's have a cup of coffee without always having to run to a restaurant. Sure. You don't get to know people at a restaurant. Yeah. And so uh, that's important. Um you know, I invited a family, uh, uh, my wife and I did, to come over and have dinner dinner with us. It was a family that moved to our area. They'd visited the church. And I said, hey, you know, why don't you come up for dinner? And when they showed up, they were very nervous. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a family who had come from a good church. They'd moved our area. So they were familiar with, with you know, uh, what a church is and a pastor, and they come from a good place. But they were so nervous. And so I could just tell they they were very uncomfortable and nervous. And they sat down and we began to talk. And then we had dinner. We laughed. We told stories. I got to know their story. And um, just a neat family. At the end, they said, is that it? I said, yeah. They said, you mean we just came here for dinner? And I said, yeah. They said, oh. I said, we thought we were like in trouble or something. They said, we've never been invited to a pastor's house. They said, the only time the pastor at our old place ever, you know, went to, you know, said, hey, you want to get a cup of coffee? Was He wanted to tell us we had done something wrong or, we, you know. Yeah. And I said, no. I said, this is who I am and what we do. Yeah. So hospitality. Right. You know, listen, is he is he isolated and keeps to himself? That's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I want my sheep to know that I'm approachable. Any shepherd... Okay, think about this. When you think of the shepherd and the flock, any shepherd never hesitates when a sheep approaches him. He knows them by name, and they come to him. They can call him, too. He knows their voice. Sure. And uh, so the sheep are always allowed to approach the shepherd. You never find a shepherd out in the field who says, stay away from me, sheep. <laughs> this yeah. is my this is my cave. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. You're, you stay out there. Uh, no, the sheep, they'll come to the shepherd. They'll 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 look for help from the shepherd, love from the shepherd. They get close to the shepherd. That's really what it should be. Yeah, and we talked about when planning a church 
the importance of hospitality in church planning. And if you missed that, go back to the episode we did, again, with Pastor Patrick Jimenez on episode 104, episode 105, Top 10 Mistakes That Church Planners Should Not Make. Talked about the importance of being hospitable. And so what a great thing to be. And that's not just for the pastor. Not just for the pastor. That's a qualification for every church member, a Christian. You're exactly right. Okay, let's get two more, and then I think we're going to pause from this episode. Then we'll hit the rest of them. Okay, Let's do it. So two more, apt to teach. Uh, the word there, apt to teach, is the word didacticos. Um, if you ever heard the word didactic, that means teaching. I've and never heard that word before. Didactic? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like the didactic psalms are psalms that teach a truth. Right. They're teaching. They're not just a prayer. Yeah. They're not just a praise. They teach something, so that's a didactic. never song. heard that word before. If okay. you have heard, if you're listening today and you have heard that word properly used before— Email me, Joshua at SandyCreekStirrings.com. I'm interested to see how many people actually message in and say they've heard that word before. Teachers will know it. (laughs) All right, so didacticos, we get that word didactic, which simply means teaching, instructive. So a preacher is not just a preacher who can preach. Right. He has to be able to teach. Now, there are some guys who are pastors that cannot preach. They're good teachers, but they can't preach. Then you've got the guys who can preach, but they can't teach. You know, they can, they can you know, uh, uh, preach a message, and you're like, hey, man, brother, but you really walk away not really knowing a whole lot more than what you yeah, did before. Yeah, they can't walk you through Scripture and, and exactly. to teach, to educate you. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Right. And so we find he needs to be apt to teach, instructive. And um, so I guess you need to know the difference, if you're going to look at this one, between teaching and preaching. Teaching is the transfer of knowledge— Okay, so teaching is the transfer of knowledge and giving understanding. So you're not only teaching the knowledge, but you're teaching people to understand what you just learned. And so, you know, two plus two is four. Okay, I just transferred knowledge to you. I just taught you two plus two is four, and here's why. And so I show it to you on the on the chalkboard. I'm going old school here, chalkboard. Um, right. Yeah, and then uh, show it to you on your 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 uh, screen here on your your what <laughs> on, my, on my writing tablet. <laughs> writing tablet. Yeah. Um, preaching is different. Preaching is bringing people to a spiritual decision uh, point, a spiritual making point in their life. So when we preach, we have an invitation. Now, when I teach something, I don't have an invitation. I'm transferred and giving them to, they say, they say, wow, you know, I see that. I'm learning this. You know, it's, it's what does a word mean? What does this verse mean? Preaching is taking it to another level. It is now I am not only giving you this information, but I'm now making it applicable spiritually. Right. I'm bringing you to a spiritual um, uh, decision-making point. So we have an invitation. Because yeah. I expect when I preach that there should be a response spiritually. Sure. Now, that doesn't mean there always is a spiritual response because people make a decision of their own. Right. You know, sometimes people, they hold on, to, they white knuckle the chairs. They stand up, they hold on to the chairs so tight so they don't have to go to an altar and their, their knuckles turn white, you know, yeah. and um, because they're fighting making a spiritual decision. Uh, then you see others who leave their seat, they'll kneel down, some will cry, some will, you know, get up, they'll rejoice, they'll but it's bringing people to a spiritual point. So a pastor has to be able to do both. He should be able to preach, should be able to teach, and transfer knowledge, be able to do both. Sure. Then the last one is, um, and again, these are— Well, last one for today. For today. Right. For today, okay. Uh, it's it, Again, it's a must-be, so it's not a recommendation. 
these are must bees, uh, not given to wine. And, um, and, and if I'm wrong, help me here, but I believe you did an entire podcast on uh, Christian's response to alcohol, the biblical yes, teaching on did. alcohol and scripture. And since you have that, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, you know, go over that all over again. What's that episode? Episode number 38, Alcohol and the Christian. Um, so episode number 38. Now, if you'd like to see that in video form, uh, go on to YouTube, find my church, Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church, and in Sunday school, I did a, um, a biblical response to alcohol. And um, that, that may be a better resource. Um, it's in video format, and I updated it a little bit. And so we'll actually be going back and updating episode 38 sometime eventually. Um, but if you go to Victory Springs, just type in Victory Springs Baptist in YouTube and add a biblical response to alcohol, that video will come up, and uh, you'll be able to get exactly. more on alcohol within Scripture. And so just a basic thing, what you need to know is is um, the word wine in Scripture, there was no word. The English word for juice did not come into writing or into the English language when we have our King James Bible. Written. Right, yeah. And so the word wine was used for alcoholic and non-alcoholic, and context teaches you the difference. And then also, there's some Greek words that teach you the difference. So, for instance, the word right here, paraoinos, that's used here as a qualification, is a tippling wine. It is one that is made that makes you um, tippy. You ever heard of that word, tippy? Right, tipsy. Uh, tipsy, yep. yeah, tipsy. <laughs> uh, tipsy, and um, it is alcoholic. It is always forbidden. And right. a yep. tippling is an old word meaning something that makes one drunk, and uh, paraoinos is uh, literally the fruit of the vine that makes one tipple or drunk, and it's always forbidden. And so here it is, uh, for a pastor, forbidden. And a pastor is not allowed. He cannot, <laughs> you know, uh, well, I, 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 I just do a social one every now and then. You know, I'm, that is not biblical. He is not to be uh, given to wine. Now, notice it didn't say, well, he can't get, he, he can't get drunk, as long as he's not drunk. That's not what that says. That's not what it says. Yeah. Not given to wine. And here it's the alcoholic, the tippling, or the one that makes you tipsy. And so that is forbidden. And um, that's a big one there, because I've heard of, of pastors who will drink, and they'll say, well, I just you know uh, use one to unwind or whatever. He's, he's disqualified. Yeah, you're exactly um, right. And why? Because now he has blame. He's not blameless. You know what the world would do if I had a picture with me holding a beer in my hand? You know what yeah. the world would do with that? They would be all over it because they know they shouldn't drink. You know, it's exactly. interesting within the, you know, you don't have to go back to the Greek. But what's interesting is, when you go back to the Greek on that phrase, not given to wine, it's actually two words not the four words that are in English. Mm -hmm. um, it's me paraoinos, which literally, if we were to translate it, which would not be a proper translation. But if you were to translate it the way it's written, it would be not wine. Well, if you were to read that in English, you'd be like, what does that mean? Of course he's not wine. He's a person. He's not a bottle of wine. Yeah. Um, so the proper translation, so people can understand it, is not given to wine. But what is it literally saying? It's literally saying no Wine. No wine. Meaning, it, so people who would say, well, he's not supposed to be drunk or he's not to be given over to it. Like it's not his pastime. It's not his hobby. He's not to be given to it. No, it literally means no wine. No wine. Period. No wine 
That's literally that's what it's saying. And um, it's very interesting because that just erases pretty much any argument where people say he's not to be given to it. He's not to be drunk yeah. with it. No, it means no wine. And, and, and you know, and what's interesting about this is Christians, you'll find Christians who want to argue this point. But if you'll just ask the world, even the world knows that a pastor should not be... You know, people make fun of Catholic priests because they know they drink. Right. You know, and there's like, whole jokes about there's it. There's all yeah. jokes about it, you know, and, and the world, you know, and they know because even the world knows. So why why do Christians want to fight that? Why do because the people that argue that <laughs> are those that use alcohol. Right. Right. So. Exactly right. All right. Well, that takes the first few qualifications for you, and uh, we'll be doing the next one here very shortly. And But hopefully those give you a good idea, good foundation for what you should be looking for in a pastor. If you're a church looking for a pastor, or if you're doing a study, you want to know from Scripture what, all the, what are the qualifications. Um, these are important. Anybody who wants to hold the office of a pastor has to meet these requirements. And so, thank you again for being with us, uh, Preacher. And uh, I don't know whether to call him Preacher or Dad. He's both, <laughs> and uh, in different circumstances, he's called by different names. But thanks again for being with us today. Glad I could do it. Looking forward to next time. Until then, keep looking up. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Every single time during the Christmas season, we play a Christmas song at the very end of this episode. So today for you, used by permission, used by permission, I want you to go to go to North Valley Publications or nvpublications.org. That's nvpublications.org. Find the CD, O Holy Night, Piano Solos by Caleb Galvin. A wonderful CD, great one to add to your collection. We're going to be playing Away in a Manger, finishes with Silent Night, and we're going to be playing that, um, that song for you from that CD, used by permission from North Valley. By the way, right now, it is on sale. As of the time I'm recording this, when the sale will end, I do not know, but it's on sale. It's normally $14.95, on sale for $8.97. You're getting it for almost 50% off. What a deal. Go there now, get it. You'll find a link in the episode description. But Merry Christmas to you. Until next time, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ. <laughs>